and the predator's crawling up behind him. Oh yeah, you can see Arnold turning his eyes like, okay, the fucking thing's like, behind me. I still get scared. I'm I'm a little I'm a pussy bitch, man. <laughs> I kind of thought about it last night. I was like, I need a red polo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get a red polo, but instead of the polo player on the back of a horse, it's a predator on the back of a horse or something. Ooh, Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be awesome. And now I think I need to start saying that in these white collar black belt sessions where it's like, it. well, if you wear a white collar, you probably wear a tie. What's with this fucking tie white collar bullshit? <laughs> and that's why he cut himself with the machete. He's trying to bleed the tequila out of his body. He's like, well, you guys were sober before. I appreciated your workout regimen, but now you're drinking from my trees and you got to go. On the subtitles, it's called wickering, whatever the fuck wickering. that means. Wickering. But that's what that's the even scarier. Is. I, know, I know. It's like, I don't know if he's going to cut my throat or make a wicker basket for me. <laughs> Yo, Falsetto, what's your favorite line and scene from this slick flick pick? There is a line in Predator, and you would think it would be from one of the muscle-bound, sweaty gurus of the flick, but it's not. My favorite line is actually from Anna when she describes something that illuminates what the fuck is going on. When I was a little, we found a man. He looked like, like butchered. The old women in the village crossed themselves and whispered crazy things, strange things. El Diablo, Cazador de Hombres. Only in the hottest years this happens. And this year, it grows hot. We begin finding our men. We find them sometimes without their skin, and sometimes much, much worse. El que hace trofeos de los hombres means the demon who makes trophies of man. Followed by a close second up where Max says, You're ghosting us, motherfucker. I don't care who you are back in the world. You give away our position one more time, I'll bleed you real quiet. Leave you. Got that? My favorite scene is actually the first five minutes of the movie. More specifically, it's when Dutch is talking to Dylan and the general. He exhibits five things in this two-minute scene. He is competent, concerned, practical, moral, and decisive. Now, wham, bam, cam. What is your favorite line of dialogue or exchange of dialogue and your scene? Mine is not as complex or as lengthy as yours, though I love it. It gave me chills. It's super simple. Classic late 80s, early 90s action reference. Dutch kicks in a door, throws a goddamn machete, a machete, and says, stick around. <laughs> There's no build up to it. There's no like work into this cheesy catchphrase. It works perfectly because it's a fucking machete. It's almost as good as his appearance as Mr. Freeze in 97, where he goes, all right, everyone, chill, 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 uh, and <laughs> chill out, chill out. Oh, man, I'm a sucker for 80s catchphrases. My favorite scene, though, is actually also from the very beginning of the movie. That first 10 to 15 minutes, there's a little bit of action, like you see something in space go towards the Earth. And now you've got all this set up at the military camp. The guys are riding in. They get their orders. You get the exchange with the General Dylan and Arnold. That quick two to three minute scene of them all riding in the helicopter, the chopper, to get to the insertion point. It's a setup where every character is introduced so quickly, but you understand what type of character they're going to be playing in this movie the rest of the time, just that fast. And then it shifts. Alan Silvestri, who composed the music for this movie, brings you back down to this movie is quite serious. The music goes soft. All the small sounds that you hear in the jungle, you see the helicopter in the trees and think that they were just shot down. You know, heat seekers or not, right? 
it's it's a military movie. Okay, a helicopter got shot down. All up until the point where Billy tracks down those Green Berets, and then you knew whatever was happening during this movie, what was fixing to happen, was not normal. Can you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze trying to deliver a line like, You're colder than Santa Claus's ball sack. <laughs> Welcome, Cinematic Fanatics, to Slick Flick Pick, an entertaining Slick Flick explaining series, a desirable diversion from the main vein of Chemohawk Sessions. You are my Cinematic Fanatic, I, your worthwhile fucking cinephile. For your quaternary episode, we offer a financially victorious, critically meritorious, sweat-soaked, stunts-slash-physical-labors-laborious, tan-drenched, muscle-bound bodies vainglorious, lone creature mimic-talking, stalking, and landscape arboreous, violence visceral and notorious, and one adrenaline-fueled gunplay display uproarious, slick flick that oozes slick narration, a lean lightning pace, and the chief Austrian Adonis of the human race, in equal F-Star's measures. We offer you, regarding the sci-fi action thriller, but also a cult fucking fantastic classic, a never boorish auricular presentation of one of my most favorite, religiously rewatched, well-acted and shot with slick gravitas by a cooperative and collaborative collection of commandos. Working off wholly original source material and capturing the dense, gorgeous, terrifying foliage in a slick flick sheen. Predator, circa June 1987. In honor of the Slick Flick pick unveiling, we describe, through smooth detailing, the flick's slickness unfailing, bicep flexing prevailing, and refreshingly lean dialogue regaling. This is a slick cinematic experience that touches a quartet of genres, science fiction, action, thriller, and horror. It transitions so seamlessly between genres and off simultaneously in such a way that you process it as a simple study in filmmaking sleekness. I have adored this film since the unique treat of my first youthful viewing. Dutch's torch-illuminating jungle war cry makes you feel half a goddamn guy and Tarzan a girly fucking man. Dutch and Dylan greet with a kung fu grip handshake that makes their fucking biceps shake halfway to an earthquake. In the Val Verde sun, these soldiers bake. Bleached skull trophies a nimble, masked hunter does take. Not rubbing your sweaty, chiseled, non-dad bod in mud is your mistake. Dylan deems the mission a piece of cake, but proves NF Star's flake. But remember, cinematic fanatics, he's got a score to settle. Since he woke up, he is awake. It came as one colossal F Star's shock when Red Devil professed her undying veneration for this slick flick. But once I learned the backstory from Wham Bam Cam on the unexpected romantic implications that is John McTiernan flick could muster, I knew he'd be my co-pilot, Mac to my blame, deranged and insane, on a trigger-happy campaign. Welcome, my co-host whose military handle at the outpost is Ghost. 
Recline Cinematic Fanatics in your favorite well-worn, stale chair. Rustle up some popcorn, fresh as F-stars, the antithesis to that stale-ass chair I just mentioned. Zoom in and zone out as we unwind the daily grind with a slick fucking flick pick. Predator is the flick, so very slick. Hence, my F-stars pick. When slick flick pick is near, stick around till falsetto prophet's voice you hear. Lights, camera, action, lens distraction, and with the right slick flick pick, grant satisfaction. I am your worthwhile cinephile. You're my cinematic fanatics. Together, we excitement unlock and run down the real world's unimaginative F-Stars clock while feasting our eyes on the slick flick pick prize. Enter with us, you cinematic fanatics, into the realm of film's fantasy as we unwind the grind of reality. We offer you pick four, slick flick pick, interplanetary masculinity, Predator, 1987. Today we will discuss alien self-surgery, a trophy-seeking murder spree, and due to the volume of sweat, not one damn soldier needs to pee. Your worthwhile cinephile, Falsetto Prophet, and Wham Bam Cam. Welcome, Wham Bam Cam, today's co-host, and on Predator, we shall boast. Welcome, broski. You son of a bitch. Alien. <laughs> That's funny because oh, your laugh, your laugh sounds like Predator trying to laugh like Billy just then. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is so good. Oh, you man. said that before in our life, man. Like you were like, dude, you said like Billy. And I'm like, yeah, maybe that's where I got it from. Maybe this whole time, thirty, almost thirty six years later, here I am, fucking laughing like Billy from Predator. Oh man, that's that. Yeah, well, you know what though? It's cool because he's the one person that was killed off screen. They still had to showcase that he died though. But they I, show I, the, yep. the the remnants of what used to be Billy, and holy shit balls. Oh, that yeah. was the spinal cord, I think. He was, he was definitely dead. <laughs> and then after the predator just rips his spinal cord out, he just kicks him off the tree. He's like, you're done. Yeah. You're out of here. Yeah, I, I don't need the meat sack. I just need this. Oh, God. Please, please share the approximate age and location you were when you first witnessed this cult classic treat that blends into memories like the chameleon. I didn't have to think very long and hard about this one. I was 10 years old, still living in Waco. Another Arnold flick had come out in 1997 entitled Batman and Robin, where he plays Mr. Freeze. So many damn good lines in that, but that's where I fell in love with Arnold's delivery style. It was corny. It was cheesy. Love, hate that George Clooney-esque bat nipple suit, but that was where I fell in love with Arnold Schwarzenegger, first saw him act. And as a kid, that was entertaining as hell. One of his other lines that I like from that movie if revenge is a dish best served cold, then get in your Sunday best. It's time to feast. God dang. <laughs> like, <laughs> he would not have had a line of dialogue that long 10 years prior to Batman. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I watched that movie. I'm all into it. Really like it. And my dad at the time, my, my dad at the time, my dad <laughs> was like, it's on then. He likes Arnold. It's time to show him some movies. So we saw other movies, Terminator, things. I'm 10 years old. So we were finally exposing that, well, we spoke about how it grew up religion-wise and everything, so I didn't really see those movies until around here. But that's when I was exposed to Predator. And that movie, man, eye-opening to me. It was, to me, watching Predator was like a coming-of-age movie for me. They go, dude's in the jungle, it's time to go get it on. And then shit hits a fan, and you're like, ah! That's when it happened. Ten years old. 
So was that the same age you started taking up snuff like Blaine, a.k.a. Jesse the Body Ventura as well? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spitting it on everybody's <laughs> boots on the school bus. Yeah. <laughs> Did any of the little pimple snot-nosed kids say, that's a real nasty habit you got there? No, actually, they asked for a cannon, so I, <laughs> I, was, the, I was the dealer. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I don't know how old I was exactly, but I remember watching it. My dad was watching it, and I kind of was walking through the middle of the room, and it was that scene where Arnold decides he's going to make himself bait and walks out into the middle of the forest to try to bait the creature, and that's when... The rope caught, it yanked the predator up in that net, and he starts squealing. What is this movie? And I'm like, Dad, what is this movie? He's like, oh, it's Arnold is, you know, fighting an alien or something. I don't know. He just was like bored, I think, watching it. And I'm like, what? Wow. Now, did you see Predator prior to like any of the alien movies? Yeah, that was my intro to all of that. Well, I'll just tell the audience and the cinematic fanatics now, but basically, so you started with Predator, you love Predator, you love Arnold. But if you had to pick, if someone put a machete to your head and said, Predator or Alien, you can only watch one movie on a desert island. Now, wait, now, just to be clear, it's Aliens that you prefer to Alien or, I mean, everybody has a different opinion. What do you like the best? First Alien. Really? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We might have to make this one a a sick pick flick at at some point as well then, too. (laughs) Well, it's just so funny because everything I know about you, I would just... I wouldn't need to rehearse for that one. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it, it's it's a lot. It's 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 more of a horror movie. The first one. It has a lot more. That's why. Horror. Okay. That's okay. why. Okay. Because I'm thinking of I'm thinking of like Bill Paxton. I'm thinking of Commandos. <laughs> I'm thinking of like. Does anyone ever confuse you for a man? No. Does anyone ever confuse you with a man? And I'm thinking you're gonna love Aliens the most. But that's that's interesting. See, I didn't I didn't gain that sense of humor until I got a little bit older. Probably you know my junior high or high school years. As I was growing up, I unlike my sister. I loved horror films. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons me and you first connected on scary shit when we met. They bothered me, but I loved watching them, man. So that first Alien movie, first off, Sigourney Weaver as goddamn action hero herself. Oh, hell yeah. She was great. Not having Sigourney Weaver as the heroine in the Alien movies would be like not having Dutch as the commander of the squad. Predator. Absolutely agreed. I want to go back real quick because you actually mentioned something. I took a few notes like of additional things. You mentioned the Arnold going out and being the trap. And I, I literally, I wrote it down. So when he's told by Dylan, what are you going to try next? Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> and he kind of gives him, he gives him that side eye glance, like motherfucker, you're the reason we're out here. Uh-huh. I should throw your ass out there, but he doesn't. Arnold proves that he would not ask his men to do something he wouldn't do himself and goes out there to be the trap. Kind of fucking cool. It's an action movie. <laughs> like who cares who gets trapped or killed or whatever right but he proves that he was the leader of his team and that he was going to go do it and it was a total power play little things i noticed throughout the movie but i love it when after blaine dies he's just like put him in his poncho and bring him with us it's like you're gonna help me like you're gonna help me lift this fucking dude he weighs probably like 300 pounds but he's like just do it i'm gonna go on and i'm gonna go you know make myself some soup you guys carry this body i'm not carrying that shit okay so when you're watching the aliens versus predator movies who are you rooting for when you were in the dark watching it? No one knows who you're rooting for. You're keeping it to yourself. But who do you, were you truly rooting for deep down as they were fighting? If I had to pick who I was truly rooting for, it's the aliens. Come on. We just talked about that. They're scary as hell. Yep. Sneaky. You never yep. know where they're coming from. The predators are like that too, right? But they have all their technology and all their cool ass fucking weapons that give them the edge they need to have. Base form versus base form, 
Alien wins every time. Well, and what's interesting about it is that if you just watch the first Predator movie and you just watch Alien, you don't really know shit about the alien. You don't know what its motivations are. You really just see it as a mindless killer. Yes. But then the Predator, you already know from the first movie, he hunts via sport. He doesn't kill unarmed things. He collects trophies. As the different franchises would grow and they would expand, you would get more illumination. But just based on those first movies, and then you get that fuck you bomb. Fuck you. You're not taking me alive. But then the aliens kind of have their own, which is the acid blood. That's Mm -hmm. like their fuck you bomb to you. It's like, well, you can woo me, but you're going to pay a hell of a price. I look at that as being similar in nature. Oh, yeah. Good stuff, man. Okay, so now this movie carries a very special significance with you in a way that most people probably would not anticipate. So would you please expound on the romantic significance that Predator plays in your life and with your wife? I'm going to steal one of your beginning lines. So there I was (laughs) back in 2003, 2004. My wife, then girlfriend at the time, had only been dating a few short months as we entered into February of 2004, where I thought, as a practical joke, I'd be like, yo, come over to the house, I'll make some dinner, kick the parents to one of the side rooms or whatever, and we're going to watch a movie on the big screen. And that movie was Predator. It's one of her favorite movies of all time as well. She's like, oh, like as soon as it starts, like the, the, the music, and she knew exactly what movie it was. From that point, I was in love. We watch it every year on Valentine's Day or around Valentine's Day, you know, barring schedules or, or whatnot. So it's actually kind of cool that we, we watched it, what, almost a month out now from the next date. We're going to actually continue. We're, what our plan is, is we're going to finish kind of like the anthology by Valentine's Day, which kind of be ending with the prey. You know, and I could have tried to link it to something that was nostalgic and like we do this review on or around valentine's day but i just wanted to do the fucking movie oh no so, 100%. So, here we, here we so, are. so we go to get ready for them because you know you probably did as well i wanted to rewatch the movie just before we we did this kind of take a few mental notes have it fresh right have it be like the last thing i watched in my head yes and so i, I asked her prior to recording i was like hey ready to watch predator and she's like hell yeah like there was no hesitation like now my understanding that along with the the romantic inclinations and the nostalgia a big linchpin for her wanting to watch Predator is Arnold in his prime. Okay, so absolutely. If you had to ask her why she loved Predator so much, still loves Predator so much, she will say it's because of Arnold. And when you ask her why because of Arnold, she goes, have you seen him? (laughs) (laughs) Big guy, burly-esque muscles. I mean, like we said earlier, within three minutes of the movie, he's already doing fucking arm wrestling with Dylan and like she's all about the muscly bound, sweaty guy i like women i liked anna i thought she was kind of hot oh yeah just looking at it in a specific masculine appreciative context i do believe and and there you can find articles on this there might be a little bit more later on that i have on this given topic but the consensus is it may not be your favorite arnold movie it may not be the best arnold movie that that's kind of up in the air people debate that but nobody denies that this is the most masculine Arnold has ever been in any role ever. And what's funny is you would think masculinity would be like, well, Conan the Barbarian, you know, he's huge. He cut like over 40 pounds of muscle just to be a leaner commando for this movie. And he looks like that. The five o'clock shadow with the face paint or the shoe polish on his face, the way he has his hair, the way he smokes the cigars. So if you notice when the chopper lands at the base at the very beginning, all of his compadres carry their shit with them. He's the only Mm. one that throws his fucking bag out the chopper onto the ground. And you're like, who is this dude wearing like boots and smoking a cigar? 
You could tell how muscular he was when it was three minutes from complete blackout on the sun going down. Oh, yeah. So I'm just thinking he's definitely in his prime here. And considering how it was one of his relative early movies in the 80s, I thought the way he expressed himself through his eyes, which I'll talk about later, and just his facial expressions. I mean, he exhibits true fear, which is odd. You don't often see him afraid. I thought that was also cool. Now, is this your favorite Arnold flick, give or take? So just like you mentioned a minute ago, it's so up for debate what his best movie is. Personally, Machete to My Chest, yeah, I would say yes. Going back and thinking about all, and, and you know, we've talked about a few other Arnold flicks, but it's the epitome of being a guy. You're out in the forest thinking you're on this military mission, goes sideways really fast. You've got gunplay. You've got fisticuffs, like fist-to-fist fighting. And that's not just with the little military encampment they take out. He lifts a goddamn truck up and lets it run forward and blow up. The dude never missed glute day, apparently. At the end, him fist-fighting the Predator. Holy crap! Oh, and by the way, this entire movie, you can have action, you can have the hero, and no romance. How awesome is that? You don't have to muddy it up with some bullcrap forced romance story in it, so... I think because of all of those factors, it's one of my most favorite roles of his. And to allocate credit to the alien world, there was an undeniable chemistry between Sigourney Weaver and Corporal Hicks from Aliens. They would have made a good couple because they were both strategists. They were both tough. They were both attractive. And yet, while they would give the occasional smirk, it was handled so gracefully because you could just tell that Sigourney was just happy to be with a man that was like honorable. And he was cool and tough and everything. So she laughed at his jokes and it was great. So I appreciated the way that was handled as well. But I mentioned it on the very first Slick Flick pick with Constantine, which was if they had had Constantine kiss Angela on that roof, you're expecting, right, because you're expecting that to happen. And once you can choreograph something and it happens just as you anticipate, you lose your core audience. Once we knew what this was, like this creature that hunts men for sport, we knew it was going to end up in a showdown, Mm. but you did not know. Mm. That he was going to be making his own fucking bows and arrows, Dude. Rambo. You didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. And the fact that he gave as good as he got on the Predator, no matter what he did, the Predator was one step ahead, as he should have been. It's just kind of by dumb luck that he was able to get the Predator to fucking be vanquished, oh, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Where do you think Predator stacks up to some of the subsequent sequels? Predator 2, god damn good, because, you, you know, you throw it into a urban jungle at that point, like it's Love in it. the city. You know, Glover does an amazing job himself of yes. being a action hero within that and adapting to the style. Predators, we've discussed this one. It's good for its few moments. The Danny Trejo scene. Help me. <laughs> but I think they did a really damn good job with The Predator. It ended kind of awkward if you take all that part out. And I'm still waiting for the build up there because then they threw me for a left curve with last year's The Prey release. but. It's really good back to its roots. Why did the, you know, you got the different versions of the Predators at that point. The hierarchy kind of shown a little bit more. And then it was a entire group struggling like this band of misfits. Because if you if you look at the original Predator, all of those dudes were meant to be together. They trained, they were military, strategic, all of that, right? They were one unit. But in the Predator, you have this band of misfits trying to figure out how to survive or take this thing down. So I I thought that was kind of cool, but uh, I'll say this to almost every single anthology of movie series. 
The original is why the rest exist. So therefore, the original is the best. Cinematic Fanatics, a little announcement for you. The Predator is actually the one Predator movie of the entire Predator Alien arcs that I was able to see in the theater with Wham Bam Cam. Oh, yeah. And and we really appreciated some of the moments like where the guy said, well, we call him a Predator. And she's like, why would you, Olivia Munn's like, why would you call him a Predator? He's like an exoskeleton, non-biological organism. He's like, well, we took a vote and Predator's fucking cooler. <laughs> Dude, you know, they you almost get a line like that in Predator. It's like he's hunting us. And then he, he looks up and he goes, it's in the trees. Like, And you're like, because it's a, like a Predator. You don't get that corny line then, but they throw it in almost 30 years later, right? The other one is, and my dad, I have a video of this somewhere after it happens, but it's as they're fixing to get into the camper and the guy with Tourette's, he's walking in, he gets like all scared and he goes, me in the face with an aardvark. Yes, yes. Falls backwards and my, we had to pause the movie. My dad is dying of laughter, like beat, beat red, just, (laughs) we had to back it up. He wanted to hear and see that line again. And so then anytime I needed to make my dad laugh, even when he, when he had the cancer, I would just, I'd walk by him. I'd like, I'd like hit him in the side and be like, in the face of an aardvark, he just bust out <laughs> laughing, man. Amazing. Little, little things like that. Nothing in that movie to me outside of the ending, <laughs> delete the last 10 minutes of that movie, felt forced. So I, I like that one too. I thought it was very entertaining. It added comedy, which was unusual. More of like, more like a popcorn flick, I think, where the other ones, you're just like, I'm too yeah. nervous to eat popcorn. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but this is just a little, I guess you could call it braggadocio or braggadocious knowledge about movies. But so the guy that said, fuck me in the face with an aardvark, that's Thomas Jane, who played what I thought to be one of the best Punishers ever in the 2004 movie, The Punisher. Yes. And and the guy that made the Predator comment that was kind of like a scientist slash spook op guy was Sterling K. Brown, who was Gordon Walker from Supernatural. Oh, no shit. And he was one of the best foils for the Winchester brothers. He had a car like them, like a, you know. He, but he was tough and he was badass and he would actually go on to be a vampire and then get beheaded by Dean. But good stuff all around. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, at this point. Okay. So what, Supernatural's been, 10 years, been around. Like, no, Supernatural's yeah. been around 16, 17 years. That's the second, third season we're talking about. Just so you know, if you watch Supernatural, the brothers are pretty safe. Anyone else is fair game. So don't get attached to anyone too much because you never know what's going to happen. 100%. Now, here's a question that I've been struggling with for most of my life, sadly. Why does Predator self-destruct? I ask because I remember being told by this guy I played tennis with when I was in like middle school. He said, well, he blows himself up because he doesn't want anybody getting shit. He doesn't want our world getting his technology. Their race would be at a disadvantage. And I believe that for years. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like he, he blows himself up. They can't get the technology. And it kind of hints at that in like the Aliens versus Predator franchise where in the Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, which isn't that great of a movie, but it's a really cool, gratuitous display of how badass Predator is. He's pouring this weird, this blue acid shit on everything to get rid of all the evidence. So I think that might possibly be the reason, but then the other part is he wants to die an honorable death. So kind of like a Japanese samurai, he's not going to be killed by his enemy, he's going to kill himself, like nuke the whole site as a final fuck you blast. So which do you think is the more likely possibility that he's doing it to protect their technology or he's doing it to just kill himself gracefully? Why not both? Sure. Why throughout all of this, they know it's going to do a a duplication. Whatever took them out had to have been close. Whatever got them to the point of thinking to needing to go to this method was close to them. 
they will know what their operational range of their bomb, for lack of a better term, is. And you don't want everybody getting a hold of that technology. We mentioned the Predator movie earlier. You see what happens when we get a hold of their technology. Why not both? It's to... He was in pain. Now he was laughing. After, <laughs> after delivering what I think is another one of the great lines, which is where they, him and Dutch, have the exchange of, what are you? Right. I thought, right. I thought that was, it was humanizing almost. The Predator, that was him kind of respect. Yes. Oh, by the way, beep, boop, beep. <laughs> Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> so I think kind of combined all of that, I think it's a dichotomy. I, I think they activate that as the last resort. It eliminates their bio data. It eliminates their technology and potentially eliminates whatever took them out at the same time. Well, and they also discussed that. And, and honestly, I could have watched an entire movie that was just flashbacks. But if you watch oh, yeah. AVP, the first one, you get a little whiff of it where they would send three predators to uh, this planet. They would kill aliens until the aliens overran them. They knew they were going to die. They were just a matter of how many can we kill first. As a final fuck you, they set off their energy blast, which would take out all of the aliens. And then they would start anew. It was like a, a slash and burn purge kind of thing. And so it's, it's, it's all interesting. And it's cool because, you know, you just haven't seen that before. Like, it's, it's a simple concept, but no one ever thought of it. And I mean, like, since Predator, like, no one's thought of, you know what? Let's create this alien race that comes to Earth for these primitive mortals just to see if it's a tougher opponent and then self-destruct. Like, that's yep. pretty fucking cool. Yep. But if the Predator looks stupid or if the costume design was lacking and wanting and shitty, then it wouldn't work. But it works. You have to think about it this way from a strategic point of view. If you're going into this other planet, your whole goal is to kill and fight until something else takes you out. Well, that means that thing was just as strong as you, at least, or just as strategic, right? So by blowing yourself up to take it out, you've now eliminated another strength that this world had to offer, thus weakening that planet. You know, I admit I never once thought about that, but... Now that you say that, and now that I reflect on it briefly, that is absolutely brilliant. So you go to plan is to find out, okay, who's your toughest warrior? Yep. And, and it's a long, it's a trial by fire. It's a, it's a long process. And then when you finally have tested them, but you've sifted through what they have to offer, you found the best and then you kill the best. And now you can go to that planet probably without fear of some sort of reprisal or something. Plus there'd be no evidence that, that you or they like even existed. It's just all gone and rubble. Like oh, they, they never know what even happened. Yeah, that's, that's seekers. What are these militia? <laughs> They're getting better armed every day. Pretty sophisticated for a bunch of half-assed mountain boys, dude. Man, Carl Weathers' face—he looked shady as shit at the beginning. He was not having good answers for those posed questions. Oh no, he wasn't. Now, were you scared as fuck when you watched Predator the first ten times that you saw it? I mean, I think it was a terrifying movie so much so that sometimes, to me, the terror trumps even the explosive action set pieces. I mean. Most people think of it as an action movie. They think of it as a sci-fi movie. And it absolutely is those things. But I think fundamentally at its core, it's a fucking horror movie. And I think people forget that. I agree with you. So I mentioned earlier, I do like, I did like horror flicks. I did like scary movies growing up. I think I was probably only scared the very first time I ever watched it. And I, I think back to it and as I was watching it recently for this, there's got to be a point where as a child, I would have been terrified. And so I'm watching it. And I think it's when Hawkins is killed. I think up to that point, you'd only really had kind of this first person view of whatever it was following them. You'd get the heat vision things, you'd hear the, him mimicking the voice, even the claw, like the reveal that this isn't human, you don't really see it too well because of the heat vision and then turning and seeing the, the dead scorpion in its hand. When Hawkins catches Anna, when Hawkins catches Anna, 
you hear that clicking that you've been hearing, that predator, whatever. And then the camera snaps real quick to what Hawkins is seeing. And for two seconds, you finally catch a third person glimpse of what has been trailing them. I probably shit my pants as a 10 year old. That's probably exactly what happened because you're like, shit, it's like right there. Oh my God, it was invisible. Oh, and he's, you know, instantly dead. That scream. You hadn't heard any screams like that yet. You'd had the gunfire, the gunplay, you know, the military encampment, but it was a, I'm scared as I die scream. And that's when I think this movie switches gears and becomes a horror movie for the rest of the movie. Well, and it's funny because, so one, even though his actual dying occurs off screen, uh, research dictated to me that what the predator did was just slash his uh, carotid artery with his claws. And he's, and that's why he bleeds all over on him. But I also think it's funny that you just watched about a hundred people be killed brutally. And, and you saw a witness or you saw a hostage get shot in the head and none of it phases you. But Hawkins death. Holy shit. That's fucked up. And that's where it gets interesting. I was terrified, man. I mean, just the, the scenes where like Arnold's on the tree and the predator's crawling up behind him. Oh yeah. You, you can see Arnold turning his eyes like, okay, the fucking thing's like, behind me. I still get scared. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a pussy bitch, man. Cinematic fanatics. This is just some information that you can find anywhere, but I like to go over it just so that you can kind of have a little bit of placement, uh, where we are and what we're doing. This is Predator and it was released or distributed by 20th Century Fox. As I mentioned, it was thereabouts June 1987 at release. Now, this is a lean fucking movie. It's 107 minutes. It's a time where we didn't have much of a patience. <laughs> and apparently, if a movie got to two hours, you would just walk out halfway. But it's a very lean movie, but it doesn't feel like an abbreviated movie. It feels like a good length for a film. I don't know why. Maybe it's because things are always happening and there's no wasted bullshit. It's all important to the plot. It was definitely a financial success. And I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, but going back over 30 years, the budget was say, well, it's hard to know because the budget claims that it's about 18 million, but you always got to figure in another five or 10 for advertising and whatnot, but it makes about a hundred million dollars. So it was absolutely a financial success. And, and by those margins, it would have been a very successful movie in today's world. Directed by John McTiernan. Now he's no slouch. He would go on to direct Die Hard one year later, which is also like Predator. I think Die Hard <sighs> and Predator are the two <sighs> greatest action movies from the 80s. Aliens is right fucking up there. But then he makes The Hunt for Red October, which anyone who's ever served in the military, oh, yes. or anyone who loves the military loves yes. that movie. And he actually created a sequel. Uh, so he, he didn't do like Die Hard 2, but he did do Die Hard with a Vengeance, which mm -hmm. was the third Die Hard film and the 13th Warrior. Do you know about 13th Warrior? Because it was a fucking bomb, but it is one of my absolute favorite fucking movies. It is so good. You know, we've talked about it, but we actually, I've never seen it yet. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, it's just one of those movies where it's <laughs> lean. It's kind of like Predator in a way. Actually, it, now that I think about it, it's very similar to Predator. It's just different. It's, it deals with like Vikings and it deals with this mysterious uh, force of evil. It's really cool. So he's a great director based on what we've seen. It had a top-notch cast. I want to talk about Alan Silvestri for a second. Alan Silvestri's music is tip fucking top. Dude. You take out his score from this movie. It's like a B minus, maybe a C plus like action movie. You add the score and now where you get those horror elements, you get that nail biting suspense. He also did soundtracks for a shit ton of movies, but just to name a few, Back to the Future, The Abyss, Predator 2, and you would appreciate this. He did a lot of themes for some of the Avenger movies, like in the last oh. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's great. Now, I call this TT or Trivialized Trivia from IMBD. I'll name a few, and then I'll ask you to share some of your trivia. The film, as you could tell from the movie, it provided a shit ton of hardships. There were snakes, leeches, stifling humidity, heat, and very rough terrain. All of the night scenes were filmed during freezing cold temperatures. So imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger running around coated in mud from head to toe. 
and he is in these terrifyingly horrid and horrific conditions. Doesn't sound like fun to me, but it's Arnold here. So he probably saw it as like a fun challenge. And then on top of all that, we have got, there's actually a lot of trivia for this movie, but I'm just going to touch on the ones that I think are interesting. So to try to warm up, he tried drinking something called Jaeger tea, which is a, a schnapps mixture to warm him up, but then he ended up oh. just getting drunk. How much schnapps do you think it would take to make Arnold Schwarzenegger drunk? That's just funny to me. All of it. <laughs> all of the all of the schnapps. All of it. Now, Jesse Ventura, who's also the guy who really loves uh, music television, as evidenced by his shirt that he wears. <laughs> this, is the, this is probably the funniest prank ever. So he was so happy to find out from the wardrobe department that his arms were one inch bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger's. He then suggested to Schwarzenegger that they measure their arms, with the winner getting a bottle of champagne, probably expensive champagne. Well, Ventura lost because previously Schwarzenegger had told the wardrobe department to tell him that his arms were bigger. Ah, you son of a bitch. You got him. I know this is your, one of your favorite lines, but Dutch's line, get, get to the Joppa, is Arnold Schwarzenegger's. It's his personal favorite catchphrase of all the films that he's ever been in. Just to give you an idea of how fucking crazy these guys were. Like Jesse would pour water on himself at the gym before Arnold would get to the gym in the morning because they would work out whenever they weren't filming, basically, no matter how early they had to wake up. And Arnold thought that he'd been working out for like over an hour. So I guess this was payback, which is funny because Jesse Ventura says payback a couple times in the movie. But because Arnold thought that he's, he was waking up earlier and working out before him, he started changing his own workout regimens so that he would get to the gym at the same time. Oh, and then it says here, he, uh, Arnold, of course, lost over 25 pounds uh, to look like a leaner combat soldier, which is insane because you see him in this movie and you're thinking most actors like so Christian Bale playing, you know, Batman in the Batman yeah. trilogy. He had to put on like 40 pounds of muscle to look believable. Arnold has to cut weight to look like a muscle-bound commando. What the shit? Craziness. Uh, so what about you? you have any just uh, crazy trivialized trivias? I'm actually shocked you didn't find this one. I'm, I'm quite, quite proud of myself. I use different movie sites than just IMDb sometimes. One of my favorites being uh, Ranker. The screenwriters actually got the idea for Predator from a joke in Rocky. It was Rocky Five. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And so he beats Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. Yeah, yeah. And in Rocky Five, the joke was, what would his next opponent have to be? An alien? And so the Thomas Brothers based the entire script of Predator on that joke. Holy shit. That's crazy. So it's kind of fucking funny about that one. And then this one's kind of common knowledge, but I think worth mentioning that Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast as the Predator. Right, right. Yep, he sure was. And for beings that he would keep passing out on set, the producers fired him. But it was also a combination of that and they wanted him to do like this really big jump. And Jean-Claude was like, I'll break my legs. Like, I'm not doing that jump. And so they fired him, brought on this other stunt guy before they found Kevin Peter Hall. So there was a guy in between. He went and did the jump that Jean-Claude would not do and broke his legs. So they yes, were like, oh, yes, Jean-Claude yes. was right. But they still didn't like bring him back on. Then, then that's when they went with Kevin and and went with that one. And then I had one more. You mentioned Jesse Ventura earlier. They had to do all of this military training uh, to kind of prepare for the movie a little bit accurate. Hard to tell sometimes some of the scenes they select in the movies with them hip firing all their weapons and not really you know using aim down the sights. The trip and the training was actually a cakewalk for Ventura because he was actually a member of the UDT, the underwater demolitions team from 1970 to 75. He knew what this so for him this was easy that takes me back to one of my favorite two of his favorite lines but we'll probably get to the other one later but a bunch of slack job faggots around here 
he probably said that on the daily in the UDT. So like, <laughs> that's just one of those things where he says it, your mouth drops. You don't think he's like, this stuff will make you a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. He's trying to hand it around the chopper to everybody. And they're just like, no, I don't want any of that. But it, it's so cool because identification of the character's personalities just in that like three to five minute chopper ride, they all have their own little interesting quirks and their own idiosyncrasies. Like, you know, so we don't really know much about Hawkins other than he likes to read comics and he makes a lot of jokes about human anatomy, but he also has good reflexes because the guy tosses him yes. a, shoe, a shoe polish can or whatever, and he just boop catches it. And so you get that impression that they've been doing this a long time. Oh, and I misspoke earlier. So oh, yeah, so the the villain or the antagonist for Rocky Five was actually Tommy, Tommy yes. the Machine Gun. And I actually really like that's one of my favorite fights of all the Rocky movies was that fight in the street where you got that motherfucker playing Don King, touch me and I'll sue. I just thought all that was great from Rocky Five. Yeah. But, I wanted to touch on Hawkins real quick. Sure. Uh, so that was Shane Black. Who directed and, The Predator. Yep. Who? Yep. And he also wrote the screenplay for Lethal Weapon. Yes. So yes. he he was actually cast. Hawkins wasn't a character they were going to have, but he was cast so that they could do on-set rewrites. Like if needed, right then and there, they could just stop and he could kind of help rewrite if they needed to take something a different direction. So that was kind of cool. Like you don't hear about that a lot. Like somebody is written into the movie so that they can assist with the production of the movie as it's going on live. It's kind of cool. He is a good director. Yes. He has made some really good films. Have you heard anything else about additional Predator sequels uh, with him at the helm? Because he directed The Predator. I just wonder if you heard it. They've been playing it pretty close to the chest since uh, since The Prey came out last year. It makes me wonder what's coming down the pipeline because you just don't stop with that success. Like Prey was very, very good, received very, very well by a lot of the loyal fan base. Should be interesting to see what comes down the line. But I'll tell you, man, you'd appreciate this too. So Shane Black, he actually directed Iron Man 3, which I know you're a big Iron Man fan. Oh, yeah. And he directed one of my favorite like noir comedy movies, which is called The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. And it's so freaking hilarious. But for writing cred, of course, like you said, he did several Lethal Weapon movies, uh, Last Action Hero. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, one of my favorite scenes from Last Action Hero, I mean, notwithstanding Arnold Schwarzenegger's dialogue, but it's when the two cops are rolling up to the house of like this, you know, wealthy, this arch villain. Hey, you know, this this house seems kind of quaint and pleasant. He's like, like, what do you expect in Miller? Like them to be throwing cocaine at each other on the front lawn? <laughs> I just thought it was so ridiculous. <laughs> but here's where subtitles can really help you with your full analysis of a film. Movies that I really like, I have the subtitles on. And sometimes you pick up things that, you know, you otherwise wouldn't. So for example, if you remember right after they demolished the gorilla camp, before they kind of head off into the woods, Billy looks up at the trees mm -hmm. after laughing at the vaginal joke like he hears something or he, he feels something's off well this was not a sixth sense that they've tried to you know ascribe to him but it's more like if you watch the subtitles the predator is quietly mimicking his laugh and he can hear the predator mimicking the laugh that he just projected into the whole fucking jungle so i thought that was interesting and it's like ah nice. that makes sense now so he now knows something's up there did you ever hear about the story about the cigar how arnold got carl weathers on and smoking cigars no, I was reading something about that yesterday, but I didn't go too far into it. So go for it. Well, Carl was basically this health nut, as you would expect. Yeah. And Arnold had tried to get him addicted to smoking cigars during the filming. Of course, you know, Carl just kept saying, no, no, no. And remember, audience, if you don't know Carl Weathers, he was fucking Apollo Creed. He's a great actor, real dramatic acting chops, and he's a very physically impressive specimen. But Carl was a non-smoker from his, uh, says from his pro football player days. Well, that makes sense. I could see him being like a running back, uh, yeah. tight end. I could see him doing a lot of things. Finally, once Carl Weathers tried it, Arnold gave him probably an expensive entire box of cigars. And now he says, shame on you, Arnold, shame on you, because he's he's officially got me hooked on cigars. 
Well, while we're on the subject of Carl Weathers, I think it's interesting how in the beginning of the movie, you and I were talking before we hit record here, even after all of these years, nearly 36 years later, just the beauty of the movie, the acting, the CGI, the practical effects, whatever, is still so good today it holds up. But the joke that I made to you, but it actually kind of makes sense because I haven't been able to find anything like this online. But when you first meet Carl Weathers, Dylan, in the first few minutes of the movie, you can tell you've got all these rough military types around, even the general Dutch, his team, everybody around. Their faces look a little worn, battle weary, whatever, what have you. Like they've seen or done shit recently. But you get Carl Weathers as he appears and his face almost looks like airbrushed or like photoshopped. There's just so much. And you know, it's makeup for the movie, right? Like they just put so much on him that his face looks so smooth. Yep. And you're like, man, it it almost looks weird, especially on Blu-ray nowadays. Like you look at it and you can really tell the difference. You're like, okay, well, whatever, right? It's an old movie. Maybe they messed up. No, if you think about it, watch Carl Weathers' progression through the movie up until the point where he decides he's going to protect the rest of the team. Like he tells Dutch, you get to that chopper, get everybody out of here. I'm going to go fight this thing on my own. From that point of seeing him airbrushed to the point of going to fight the predator on his own, he looks a lot rougher, a lot worse for wear. And yeah, they went through some shit, but to me in my head, that makes a connection. He was the CIA pencil pusher at the very beginning of the movie, very secretive, manipulated his old buddy and his team to go after this mission that then put them into shit to this transition of him becoming who he once was the good old days and taking one for the team where he be- he's this military-esque soldier again. I kind of think I'd like to think, cause I can't find anything like this on. I've been looking for it. I kind of want to watch uh, the, if you kill it, it bleeds documentary again, because oh, maybe they mentioned it. I just don't remember. But to me, that makes me think that's part of the character development. We want to show you the soft side, the sneaky CIA guy who then becomes part of the team at the end. Well, and that is the brilliance of making these movies where it's like open-ended interpretation, because if you like the movie, you just credit it to the brilliance of the writers or the director, but it could have just been a happy accident. Yeah, they just forgot to put makeup on him one day. Right, (laughs) right. Or he took three days off from working out or something. But it's funny you say that too. So just to keep everyone on track, he keeps talking about how he has it. He's like, we both have scores to settle. And he mentions it, though, to be fair, but he's angry because his men were in the chopper that were initially brought down uh, over this area. So he does. He cares in a way. It's just he I think does. he got I think he got a little caught up in himself. Also, so the greeting behind uh, Dutch and Dylan has become a fucking meme, if you didn't know. And oh, I know, dude. you know, because we sent it to each other numerous it's times. Numerous times. The IMVD is funny. It says it's often made to look like a painting, <laughs> uniting two things yes. of different kinds together. Although some suggest it could be a Venn diagram. And I've seen it like that before. Yes. Or it's like it's got Arnold's bicep and it says quarter pounder with cheese. And then it shows Dylan's bicep and it says fries. And then in the middle, it says with a Diet Coke or something like that. <laughs> and you're just like, this is so ridiculous. Uh, also, I think it's interesting to note that John McTiernan had to be abundantly clear that the Predator's dreadlocks are in no way a signifier of racial ethnicity. I think this, okay, so to me, that's ridiculous, but it's actually not because I love Ebert reviews. I often will read an Ebert review and he's been dead a while, but I still, they kind of created this in memoriam of him where there's a lot of these film scholars that will still write reviews, you know, under the rogerdeberreviews.com. Roger Ebert gave Predator, which I'll get to, but he gave it like three out of four stars. So he actually liked Predator, but then for the sequel, Predator 2, which you and I both love, and we, you know, I think it's amazing uh, sequel. He spends about a paragraph talking about how he feels that the way that the Predator looks with its dreadlocks 
it looks like you're like a typical African-American urban male. And he was making all these racial connections to the film. And I'm like, it's a fucking alien that arrived on a fucking spaceship. He's throwing nets that's, that have a mechanism and then the Titans to squash you to nothing. Like, what are you talking about? But anyways, have you read any of the Predator or Alien books on the side like you've done for Star Wars? I actually have not. Well, it's really interesting because what you end up finding out as it is portrayed in some of the literature, and I remember reading about this specifically. So one of my favorite novelizations of this franchise is called Concrete Jungle, written by Nathan Archer. And it's one of my favorite books of all time. It takes from Predator 2, where you have these predators that are coming to New York City during the heat wave. So it's not LA, it's New York, but everything else is the same. But what you learn is that because Dutch narrowly survived that energy explosion, which released a lot of radiation, he ended up getting radiation poisoning. And then Gary Busey's character, who played Peter Keyes, got a lot of his information on the Predator from interviewing Dutch yep. while he was in a hospital, you know, ill yep. with this radiation poisoning. But then Dutch escaped from the hospital and vanished. Dun. Yes. And the book kind of picks up like what, what actually ultimately befell him and everything. So it was really okay. cool. What I also like about Predator 2 is you learn a lot more about the Predators from yes. what they were able to get from what happened in like Central America and talking to Anna and talking to Dutch. So I like that. I do a very brief kind of blow by blow of the film. We'll probably blow right through this because we've seen it. How many times have you <laughs> seen Predator conservatively? 50? 100? I can't give you a number. My, my literal answer that I have is enough times where every couple of years, in fact, my most recent viewing the other day proves this theory. I have to replace my disc because it, there was a couple times in the movie where it, the disc would lock up and I'd have to like manipulate with the remote control to get it to get past. I've, I've played it enough where the dang <laughs> disc gets locked up. I've had so many different versions of it from, you know, VHS to DVD to, to Blu-ray. And I think at this point, I'm just going to say F it and get a, a digital download on a cloud server somewhere. So I don't have to worry about it, but I, we watch it enough where it is obviously we watch it annually, but sometimes it's just on for background noise. I was, I was telling you like a week or so ago, I was watching fight club yes. just for the hell of it. Like I just had it on. So, Sometimes I just need background noise and music isn't enough or, or something like that. I want something like to stop and look at every now and then watch the movie way too many times. You know, I haven't done this a lot, but I would tell you seriously that I would consider, well, you don't really need to buy it anymore, but just listening to the Predator soundtrack would be a, a, yes. worth, a worthwhile endeavor Oh yeah, because the music is different. It's always, it's very like strategically tailored for each scene and it tells a hell of a story and it's just so riveting. Cinematic fanatics, let's depart from the Choppa and Jim Hop Hoppa into the old painless rainforest. Oh, but wait a second. There's a difference between a rainforest and a jungle. And mm. this, from everything I was able to find, what we're seeing in this movie, there's where they're supposed to be in the movie and where the movie was actually filmed. But I think either way you slice it, they're in a jungle. It says that basically the main difference is where they're located. So a rainforest is located at low altitudes. Jungles are often found at higher altitudes. And jungles tend to have a lot more precipitation. So the jungle is going to tend to have the trees that are so thick, the canopies that are so overpowering that not a lot of sunlight gets through. So I think that a jungle fits for this film. And I think it was filmed in areas in Mexico for the filming, but it's supposed to be in this fictitious area called Valverde, which has actually been used a lot for movies where you're supposed to be in some South American or Central American country, but they don't want to get into the politics of it. So they just call it Valverde. Yep. So I always thought that was interesting. What's really crazy about this movie is the first 10 seconds of the movie, they basically give away the whole plot because oh, you yeah. see that there's a spaceship and then something is jettisoned from that spaceship to Earth. So you know it's not human, it's alien. So you already know there's going to be an alien. Sometimes I read these little, these brief little 
trailer jackets and it says muscle bound commandos fight an alien. And I'm like, that's stupid. Why do you have to give it away? Well, in a way, it's already given away in the first 10 seconds of the movie. You know, it's something that's not of Earth. And then as you would say, so once the chopper lands, here we go. Here we go. We start up immediately once that chopper lands at that little base that's right there in the, in the lagoon. And, and of course, you and I both agree. Fantastic fucking music. Thank you, Alan Silvestri. And I like how they show Carl sitting kind of slyly in the corner. It reminded me of Vin Diesel in the first Fast and the Furious movie, where all you see is his backside and he's just drinking yeah. a, in a beer. And you don't like, who is this guy? You know, he's obviously important, but he's so far off in the distance. You almost miss him if you're not looking. He's drinking a beer for sure. And then maybe some liquor in a glass. It's kind of hard to tell. Didn't you laugh at how brief the Jeep ride was? I mean, that is the, yes. the, the briefest okay. Jeep ride of their fucking lives. It's probably the only part of the movie where some of the timeline doesn't make sense because you've got the general coming out of his little cabin, you know, the, the headquarters building. It's like, he's like looking off in the distance, but the helicopter like just landed. So either the helicopter pad is 50 fucking feet from his door or they had some editing constraints uh, well, where you the know, Jeep's like, oh, poof, it's here. Right these movie reviews is you kind of get out of it what you how kind you want to be to the movie Absolutely. and so so i was curious about that because as soon as the helicopter lands on the helipad i'm thinking motherfucker could pee on him from here absolutely but then i'm watching the jeep activity very closely they had to cross a lagoon they had to cross yeah. kind of a lagoon yes. to get to the base well these guys are tough but they didn't want to get their fucking khakis wet carrying shit they're probably tired why make them slog through 100 yards where ocean meets lagoon yeah. But they do they do seem to have standards. They didn't like, Arnold didn't want to get his like his nice boots wet or something. So that's cool. Like I can well, and, think, and think about it as a military commander, you're bringing in a special forces unit. You're rolling out the red carpet. Yes, yes, exactly. You're right. And plus, it looks cool, right? We want to see guys in Jeeps. Now, also, it's funny because I think while this has traditionally been a movie for guys, this should be a flick for chicks. So there should be like a slick flick pick for chicks because it teaches you how to pack light, how to pack light. The men are carrying mm. one fucking bag, one duffel bag, one garment bag. That is it. And they think they're going to be there for at least a couple of days. So it is a presentation on how to pack light. And I already told you, Dutch is the only one to toss his bag out like wet fucking trash. <laughs> He's like, mm, I don't need this. Dude, I don't think I've ever seen a man own a polo as much as he owns that red fucking polo. I kind of thought about it last night. I was like, I need a red polo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get a red polo, but instead of like the polo player on the back of a horse, it's a predator on the back of a horse or something. Ooh, Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be awesome. It's funny because it's, it's said very briefly, you might just miss it, but Dylan says to Dutch, yeah, you, uh, you pulled off that job in Berlin, you know, Berlin, nice work. And I'm thinking, okay, he's the Austrian Oak. He's from Austria. Maybe he was visiting family in Berlin. Dun, dun, dun. And so I paused it to take a note on it. And at that moment, Red Devil noticed that there's a little bit of a rainbow glare behind his head in the bungalow. And I thought that was interesting. It's like you can see a little bit of a rainbow. But hey, the shit you capture when you film for hours at a time, right? You and I both get a kick out of the fuck, fucking tie business. You fuck. You fuck. fucking tie. <laughs> and now I, I think I need to start saying that in these white collar black belt sessions where it's like, it. well, if you wear a white collar, you probably wear a tie. What's with this fucking tie white collar bullshit? <laughs> When I was talking about why I really love the first five minutes where you're just really getting to know Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, I think one of the most telling lines is with the seriousness in which he said, because he jokes around with Dylan a little bit, but once they get down to business, he says, we're a rescue team, not assassins. And from that, okay, so they're not doing wet work. Like these are guys that are truly part of a rescue yeah. operation. Yep. So that's interesting. I love it when he says like, what do you mean we? Like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to work with you, you little bitch. You can give yep. me the orders, but I'm not going to have you with us. Did you get you probably? I I bet you picked up on this where 
Carl is showing his airborne lighter that he has just like Dutch. And I'm thinking they either acquired that doing airborne missions in Vietnam. The timing would have added up with Vietnam. They're probably Vietnam vets and or Afghanistan. I think that's interesting shit. I also think that was him. Again, we're, we're talking about the character development in that helicopter scene. Like that is just such a good scene. Him showing that off. You notice Dutch doesn't have his. Oh, yeah, look, I've got mine, too. Oh, right, buddy, right. Buddy. He's showing that off. Yeah, I've known Dutch longer than y'all. What up? Like, I'm 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 in charge here. Right. Exactly. Uh, okay. Okay, motherfucker. That's a good catch. And I think that's why Blaine spits tobacco on his shoe because he's Absolutely. like, fuck you. Absolutely. It's funny you say that, too, though, because like when I just said that Dutch said we're a rescue team, not assassins. Dylan had already mm-hmm. prompted him. He said, why'd you pass? Like, why'd you pass on the job? Oh, you know, and he didn't want to get into it, but then he pressed them. So then he tells them. So Dutch is very humble and he's not about to take light away from the mission. Now, dude, I love the the tribal drumming sound via Alan Sylvester. That gives me bumps of the geese persuasion. I love it. Yes. Yes. Every time Uh, you can hear that a similar sound of that in maybe other movies or or whatever. And and it's funny how sound and smell can trigger some of the most powerful memories. Yes. And that sounds man if i if i could smell jungle i'd probably be terrified that i was fixing to get blasted from 90 feet away well and it's such a it's such an associative sound that i remember distinctly in predator 2 the moment where danny glover says to bill paxton hey kid welcome to the war and they're playing that tribal that yes. tribal drumming and you're just like oh man yes. this is a predator movie in case you've forgotten yeah and, <laughs> and, and i love the way that arnold pronounces heat seeker it was a heat fucking seeker. heat seeker missile i love it Dude, I'm going to tell you, man, it is extremely fucking rugged terrain that these troops are navigating. That did not look fun even to be filming a movie on. No. Holy shit. How effective was the scary skinned men hanging from the fucking tree? That was absolutely well done. Like the, the bodies, the Sam Winston special effects on that shit, they look like fucking bodies. Absolutely. I, I think we go back to like when I was scared or if, if the movie terrified me. That was probably a good jump scare for me as a kid. Probably hadn't seen much of that until that point of my life. Um, in I would hope not. <laughs> I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, right. You reach double digits and then you get six bodies skinned alive. Yeah, that's, all, that? yeah that's, that's what you open up on your birthday. It's just, you know, <laughs> skinned bodies right there. A couple of spinal cords, you know, whatever. They look so good. And, you know, Billy's reaction to finding them, it's just like, geez. And like, even him as hardened as Billy is. Right. Oh, okay. I took that exact same evaluation away from his reaction that, so and, and, and you know it's like you don't think when you watch predator like oh this is a movie that i watch for the acting but it absolutely is because if you're going to have a movie that be 90 minutes long give or take you've got to capture what point. they're feeling and what they're thinking and it's got to be believable yeah they have to be on point that every everybody can make the jokes of muscle bound from arnold to sly stallone to whomever well they're just big they're they're for the action they're for the stunts man these guys put on a performance from their body to their eyes to eyebrows they're fucking later on we may get to it but later on when max doing the shaving and pushes it in i mean just every little detail told the story in 90 minutes yes it did absolutely oh and before i forget i can't believe i i did not make this connection but along with jesse ventura having some military time schwarzenegger served in the austrian army now i'm sure he was probably like 16 or something i don't remember exactly but what i will say is that richard chavez who plays poncho who's also one of my favorite characters he actually was in vietnam Oh, so he is, he is a Vietnam veteran because I remember reading that before I watched the movie again and watching him in the movie. He just seems totally comfortable. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think one of my favorite lines, he actually has two of the best lines in the movie. And it's when, of course, he goes, 
you're hit, man. You're bleeding. And he's like, and I don't, I don't even care about what Blaine says, which is funny, which is I the, got time to bleed. Yeah, And that's the line that everybody remembers, but it's when he goes, Oh, you oh, got yeah? time to, you got time to duck. And then later though, the panic on his face, when he's like, no blood, no bodies, we hit fucking nothing, you know? Yes. And you're just like, Holy shit. Yes. So I love all yes. that. Okay. I asked you a question about why does the predator self-destruct? And that was a little tricky, but this one should be easier. How good do you think that root drink tastes that Billy drinks from that root? Just straight out of that tree, he's drinking that sap all down his mouth and splashing all over his uniform. How good do you think that root drink tastes? Being out in the in the brush for that long? <laughs> that's probably why he could hear the Predator later. Uh, <laughs> it's probably the same stuff that's in the Lazarus pit. It makes let's your just, brain swell. Let's just be real. The whole movie is a figment of Billy's imagination. He, he thought of, he, it was a hallucination. He wakes up in a hospital gurney. <laughs> Dude, it's like that tequila that they have down in, I think it's um, Mind Altering Properties. Aksasawa tequila, which is this tequila that you drink that's so strong that it has like hallucinogenic properties or something. Ooh. And so it's like, maybe that's what happened is he just drank from that root. And then that's why he saw the skin men because Dude. he's drinking this tequila shit. It all makes the see our theory completely makes sense now. He, he drinks that stuff. They're in Mexico. So tequila, whatever. Great. It's raining this tequila. He has hallucinations. He sees dead bodies. He wakes up in a hospital gurney. That is the plot of the predator. All right. Thanks for coming, everybody. And that's why he cut himself with the machete because he was trying to, he's trying to bleed the tequila out of his body. So yeah. He, he wasn't was, sweating <laughs> enough. <laughs> and then of course the predator doesn't appreciate people like serial killers in movies where they have sex, where they drink alcohol and party. The predator oh, yeah. doesn't like people that drink the tequila. Yeah. So he, that's why he started yeah. killing them. He's like, well, you guys were sober before. I appreciated your workout regimen, but now you're drinking from my trees and you got to go. Okay, so you hear the predator sounds, the clicking. Oh. And by the way, on the subtitles, it's called wickering, whatever the fuck wickering. that means. Wickering. But that's what that's the even scarier. I know, I know. It's like, I don't know if he's going to cut my throat or make a wicker basket for me. <laughs> but, but dude, so it's 16 minutes and 45 seconds, thereabouts. You, you hear the first predator sounds. And this is right around when they're, they're around the, the chopper that went down. When I used to work at Starbucks, the crates that are on top of the espresso machine, they're called hoppers. So we would have to refill the hopper with new espresso beans for the espresso machine. So I remember telling you in some of my sessions about the guy that I worked with that we would quote Predator in all these Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. He would get a bag from the back of espresso beans and say, refill the hopper, Jim hopper, refill the hopper. I'm just like, Jesus. <laughs> now they talk about Fort Bragg, which is yes. in North Carolina, yep. military installation in the United States Army. And it is one of the largest military installations in the world by population with around 54,000 military personnel. Crazy shit. Primary base of operations and training grounds for the Green Beret, also mentioned in the movie. Yes, yes, exactly. Now, the name for the minigun is Old Painless, which is a cool fucking name if you ask oh, me. Oh, yeah. And this is about, okay, so I've talked about how to be efficient. We talked about how to be efficient on White Collar mm -hmm. Black Belt number 49. I talk about efficiency and communication and every other goddamn thing. I don't know that you can get more efficient than this. We move five meters spread, no sound. Period. What else do you need? Ugh. Nothing. That's it. Did the guys? Did you see a single guy come back to him and say, "Oh, could you say that with a, a yeah, few a few yeah. less buzzsaw words, please?" Yeah. What does that mean? Nope. They went. They just disappeared. Which is what they I don't do. like the metric system. <laughs> At 19 minutes and 20 seconds, the predator first sees them. Oof. Holy shit balls! Uh, again, the jungle. So I think the jungle is one of the best actors in the movie. The jungle looks lush. It looks penetrating. It looks like a place that you would not want to get lost. I'll tell you that. One of the captors that shot the hostage was speaking fucking Russian, bro. He was speaking mm -hmm. Russian. We're in Mexico. What is happening? Red flag. 
Dude, the teamwork. So you and me, the teamwork between Mac and oh. Blaine to defuse that Claymore mine. Brilliant. Yes. Like pushing and holding the pin down, getting just enough slack in the line so that it can be cut. Beautiful. Yes. yes. And, and then you're probably going to get to it. I'm going to steal it. Then when they go to take out the nest, right? Oh, Mac, dude. Mac doing the Assassin's Creed style whistle and then she pulls him over at the same time Blaine gets his guy. I love that. And I and when you bring up whistle, it makes me think that there's several times in the movie where Arnold whistles to his men to make them alert or to have them do something. And I was thinking that from a strategy standpoint, it would be much harder to triangulate a whistle than it would say, hey, Blaine, go get that motherfucker. Right. It would be so much easier. Yeah. So I, I like well, that. Back on efficiency, even later in the movie, Dutch throws his fist up in the air. Everybody's following him. Keeps it super clenched. Very nice cut of his <laughs> biceps, by the way. And the audience can't see me right now, but I've got like my arm up like that. And my arms do not look like that. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like everybody stops. They're looking right at him. And then he puts the five fingers up and everybody spreads. Like it's instantaneous, super efficient. Everybody's highly trained. Just good shit. From the very beginning, when they first were going to invade the camp on the outskirts, his one command was, you know, no sound. And short of the one fuck up that Carl Weathers made, which he will never make again, by the way, that scared me, even, even though I've seen the movie 600 times, but they don't make any sound. They just don't. So I mean, they, they may whisper to each other so that you as the audience can like know what the Polish, plan is. But. Polish mentions this. Polish mentions this. You, you know, they pull out the minigun and, and all this other stuff. And she's like, there's no way they are that quiet with all of that gear. Well, Dutch told them no sound. So there's no sound. Well, and the really funny thing is that right after he says no sound, what does Mac and Blaine do? He's like, you ready? You ready to kill all these motherfuckers? And I'm like, bros, yeah. like <laughs> you need to listen to the rules. <laughs> oh, by the way, the sound of the minigun when it's an operation is awesome sauce. Oh. Awesome fucking sauce. It's sexy. Yeah. It's a sexy sound. I was mentioning this briefly, but Valverde, this is just hilarious that they had to do this, but Valverde is a fictional county or city used by Hollywood writer, producer Stephen De E. De Souza. When his stories require a South or Central American lo locale that will not cause legal or diplomatic problems. This oh was Lord. first used, which in a movie I know I'm sure you love, 1985, Commando with yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Awesome. Yep. The name translates to Green Valley. That's crazy, but that Valverde is has been confirmed multiple times in all my readings and everything that Valverde is the area with regards to Predator and where they are and all that. It's awesome. One of the areas that they filmed primarily for the movie was uh, Puerto Vallarta, which was the primary filming location for Predator, but towards the second oh, and then and then Palenque, where you get the yeah. Misol Ha waterfall, which was just beautiful. Dude, oh yeah, the way that was done. Here's a little trivia for you: How many grenades does Pancho launch from his grenade launcher after making his little wisecrack to Blaine? Three. Four. Close, dude. Oh. Four grenades. And I, I only wrote that down so I could ask the question. So there you go. No, this is not. So you're you're a three-quarter Predator fan. That's, that's your seven. Oh, months. okay. All right. Click. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. How about this? Arnold launches Carl Weathers against the wall with one fucking hand. Bro, like, if they could have had the camera zoomed out a little bit, I guarantee he lifted him for a minute. Like, I bet Carl Weathers' feet were off the ground. And I bet he peed a little when that happened. Uh, I bet he peed a lot. It probably knocked his bladder loose if you can even do that. God. But the irony is that this would be done to Arnold by the Predator later, mm -hmm. and the camera does show that he's about 10 inches off the ground for about Absolutely. five and, fucking and hours. And it's like around the chin and throat, yes. too. Like, it's... <laughs> you gotta imagine, like, the stress on the back of his neck. Like, he's fucked. Dude, that was something else. I'm glad they did that. Now... We gotta talk about how many... At the end, let's talk about how many times Arnold actually got lucky and didn't die. We absolutely can. I struggle to think of another title for this movie. So, for example, it was originally going to be called Hunter, but they didn't want there to be confusion, I think, because there was either something else that came out around the time or there was some specific reason why they couldn't do Hunter. But Predator's obviously cooler, like like Sterling K. Brown said in the movie The Predator. 
But I was thinking, here's a cool title. How about expendable assets or assets, expendable assets, you know, like Bond, James Bond, because that's what I Carl like Weathers that. says. He's like, your assets, expendable assets. That's it. That's all you are. Assets, expendable assets. Oh, actually, dude, you were so close to the reference I gave for Rocky four and five on why it was originally going to be called Hunter. That's what they were going to do. So the Thomas brothers first called it Hunter after that joke and then decided to call it Predator later. Perfect. You were like on the cusp. You were on, on the, the cusp, cusp of that. <laughs> Another line of just extremely lean dialogue. She's your baggage. You fall behind. You're on your own. Okay. Easy. And easy more. peasy. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he needs to send a follow-up email after that at the meeting. No. Yeah. I love Most the efficient okay. meeting ever. Done. I love the attention to detail. So for example, and you know, the movie didn't even need to be this technical. People like at this time in the 80s, guys were just happy to watch a bunch of guys being guys. To show that the cigar that was thrown down by Arnold is still glowing and giving off heat and it shows up on the mm -hmm. Predator scan. I like that attention to detail. And I think the creepiest line in the movie that's spoken both by the Predator and by Bill Duke is over here. Over, over here. That was so fucked yeah. up. I, I thought he was going to get shot in the face by Carl Weathers like 15 times because he had his machine oh, yeah. gun pointed right at his face. So like I said, wickering, that's what subtitles identifies the sounds that Predator's making. I don't want to have anything to do with wickering. Pass. Uh, and like you mentioned, dude, I'm glad you pointed this out. You and I are of the same vein when it comes to this film because the hand holding the scorpion looks awesome. Mm. The hand looks awesome. The scorpion looks awesome. It all looks awesome. Now, what I do want to know is whether a scorpion died during the filming of this movie or not. That's what I want to know. I've totally thought that in my head sometimes. I'm like, man, I wonder if PETA is like going against this movie right now just because of this show and Bill Duke stepping on the scorpion. <laughs> what I anticipate is... He didn't actually step on the scorpion, but they'd found a scorpion that had died of natural causes or gotten squashed accidentally, and then they just used that. That's my guess, but who knows? Let's go step, for step it. On a Let's scorpion. go for it. Dude, Mac, aka Bill Duke, has a Dean flask, like from Supernatural. He's yes. got a Dean flask. Yes, he does. Oh, God. <laughs> and then, of course, the thing around Billy's neck is a medicine bag of sorts. Yep. That's, that's yep. what I was able to determine. Yep. While we're at the military encampment, real quick, because this is where my favorite one-liner, quickie one-liner of stick around comes stick from. It, stick it. According to ScreenRant.com, that is the number one fan-voted favorite line from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Interesting. Yep. So that's their favorite line, and his own favorite line is get to the chopper. That's awesome. Because yep. I just checked it right now while we, were, while we were looking at that. I was like, man, I wonder where that ranks And on ScreenRant.com. Yep. So. Well, and I like it because he says a lot of funny things in the movie. Uh, it starts with knock-knock, of course. After, oh, yeah. After, but then when he says, the, I think one of the craziest, it's so out of place, but it works because you would be saying the same fucking thing. He tries to hit the predator with a large branch. Bad idea. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You're like, shit. But I like it because the last 28 minutes of the movie, Arnold's alone. Oh. So he oh, has yeah. to carry the movie with his own, his own gravitas and his own. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a lot of um, swagger. Well, it's like personality. He's very animated. I got you. Well, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. So you, you're going through these preparation scenes. He's making his own bow and, and figuring out like tapping the two, uh, you know, M40 grenades together. Like, what am I going to do with these? And then you see the idea unfold and you get the shameless Mr. Olympia poses as he's like building the bow yes. and, and, and kind of things like that. But it seemed natural, right? Like a part of the storytelling. He's not saying a damn word. In fact, you don't really get any more dialogue outside of his scream to announce to the predator he's there. And then you get to bad idea than to, you're one ugly motherfucker. Like th that 28 minutes, there's like six lines of dialogue. That's it. Right. And what I was thinking about that was the word I was thinking of charismatic because Arnold is so charismatic. So if you had Jesse the Body Ventura in the main role and it's him in the final showdown, it would not have worked. I mean, it, it would have been okay. 
but it wouldn't have worked as well as it does because he's just not as expressive yeah. and he's not so he's not as animated and he just doesn't have that that rich exuberant personality that arnold brings yeah. to like every scene he, is, he doesn't have time to bleed he has no time to like give that right right he doesn't have time he ain't got time he's gotta, he gotta be funny and i thought about this too so the predator clearly doesn't see arnold schwarzenegger and the way that that's choreographed is he sees the heat from this little critter which by the way mm-hmm. that's a lucky fucking critter that got away dude i don't mind arnold narrating to himself he couldn't see me i don't mind that it's okay mm-hmm. it, it, because if you're watching the movie for the first time, you're wondering what why he didn't die. You're confused a little bit. So if so that, once he if that line like, hadn't have been there, if that line hadn't have been there, even then to now, some people would still be confused. Like, well, what just happened? I think it's a perfectly placed line. He even says it pretty quiet, like yes, with this older yes. audio and stuff. You know, they didn't have audio mastering like they do now or Dolby Surround. So like he even says it quieter in the movie. It's like he couldn't see me. Like just in case the predator could hear him, right? Right. So oh. I think that Anna looks adequately terrified the second that Hawkins dies. She went from being like, I'm going to escape. Fuck these guys. She wasn't really afraid of them. She was just more like annoyed and like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll acquiesce because I have to. Yep. But as soon as Hawkins got got, total tone change. So that was very good acting on her behalf. And then Absolutely. when I, lo- I love when Arnold cuts her free and he's like, he's hunting all of us. You get that, mm-hmm. right? So that mm-hmm. was all fine. Oh, and then you see the snake, by the way, just to remind us that we're in the fucking jungle. And yeah. as soon as I saw that snake, I thought, we need Carmen Electra posing with that motherfucker. Remember <laughs> Carmen Electra? Oh, I was, yes. I was a big Jenny McCarthy fan, but then once Carmen Electra came into the scene, I'm like, shit. I don't know oh, if I man. like blondes or brunettes better. I don't know. I can't, I can't decide. I don't have the criterion to decide. And then here's my one joke of this whole slick flick pick analysis. Predator is apparently a VH1 fan and does not care for music fucking television. He saw Blaine. He saw the shirt. And he's like, you know what? If he was wearing a shirt that said got milk or something, he might have just made it out of this. But you just had to be showing up MTV, bitch, and I'm going to kill you for this. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, I like the minigun running out of ammo. Bill Duke was so in the zone, he ran out of fucking ammo, didn't even realize it. He just, yep. he's in this trance. Yep. In Polish, and I say this almost every time, and we're like, as it's going, because it's just so loud, you know, it, it is what it is, that our joke will be like, and now for the next five minutes, we'll show you how to effectively clear a jungle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'll let you know, I would happily carry your freshly carterized corpse, wham, bam, cam, in your own poncho. I would do it. Oh, in my own poncho? Well, not going to lie. For efficiency's sake, you're getting eaten by the ants or whatever, man. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) I love you, bro. But this comes back to the end, man, when they're trying to escape. They're carrying a limp body with them. I know. know. That's why I'm going to say something about poncho, too. But I love the self-surgery. I love it. That right there is why I like Predator more than Alien. Any Alien. Enough. Because... The aliens are just, they don't give a fuck. They're just going to, they're either going to kill you or you're going to kill them and then burn in acid blood. Fear in numbers. Right. But this motherfucker is strategic. He gets wounded mm-hmm. and he takes the time out of his busy schedule to fucking heal himself. And dude, I don't know exactly what he did. I think it was kind of like the equivalent of putting stitches, but he just yeah. put a metal stent in his leg to like, to stop the bleeding. And then he screams and I'm like, he can feel pain. He can mm-hmm. feel fucking, I don't know that aliens feel, oh, I guess aliens do kind of screech when they get hurt. But that was just insanity. I remember talking Billy's little chuckling outbursts. They're random. They're capricious. You don't really know what he's going to laugh at. Oh, and dude, this is one of my favorite lines in the movie because I actually laughed out loud and I still laugh out loud. It's when Anna is describing what they're dealing with and she goes, it changes color like the chameleon. And then then the fucking insensitive Carl Weathers comes in there. You saying they were killed by a fucking lizard? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, holy shit, man. That's a hell of a lizard. I thought Komodo dragons were scary. The fucking lizard is a fucking lizard. There's two or three guys out there. It's two or three guys. And I'm like, Dylan, 
you've seen a lot of combat. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh. Something killed your guy, left his weapon, left his radio. You can't even find the body. Like, what oh, are you man. talking about? He had some of that same tequila Billy had off screen. He did. He, and I was, he probably, you know what? Bill Duke probably offered him in the flask. He's like, what's up, bro? Have some yeah. of this. There is one little discrepancy that I thought was great. You know how they're all pulling down trees and shit? And then Arnold's like, are you going to help us? Or are you going to, he's like, maybe instead of complaining, maybe you should help. Well, prior to that, so Carl Weathers is in like his garb. But prior to that, you could see Carl Weathers in the background laughing while the guys are doing some work. So it was that was clearly something that was just captured while yeah. they were filming. So I thought that was great. Dude, I love the Bic razor bleeding. Come to find out that they apparently made a razor that could pump out a little bit of fake blood. So that was that Oh, was gotcha. Amazing. Nice. <laughs> I, I was thinking these guys were so hardcore. He's like, no, I'm He's just going to cut himself. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a memorable scene. In fact, it was so memorable. That's one of like the chief things I remember about that movie was he just sweating profusely and he's cutting himself with a razor. Like that was it's awesome. One of, it's one of two times you see Mac, Bill Duke. Like he's so focused. He is unaware of what his physical body is doing. So the first time we mentioned was he's out of ammo. And he's just holding the trigger down. And the second time is they're all aware and he's looking up and until that snaps and it kind of kind of snaps him back to his physical being. Just kind of crazy. Those we talked about the acting of these guys, it just showing you what each archetype is able to accomplish through their character. And so I know that with Audible Ally, you love talking about just the strength of the human spirit and always moving forward. Well, this is what I say to the cinematic fanatics. When your gut is busted up pretty bad. Remember, Cinematic Fanatics, you can make it. I can, can make, make it. it. I can make it. I can it. make it. Okay, so Polish, so she, I can't hear. I can make it in her voice because she says it every time. That's one of her lines she quotes is, I can make it. And I hear it in her <laughs> voice. So it's just hilarious because he has this. And he's already saying it pretty comically. You know Polish's voice. And like those of you out there do, like, you're just like, that's freaking hilarious. I know it is. And it's, but, but it's also like, he's a tough dude, dude. He got hit by a fucking tree trunk at like 700 miles an hour. He's ready to go. Let's go. Okay. Clever suspense sustainer. It's a ubiquitous killer anywhere, anytime. Don't mind this gratuitous rhyme, but no, dude, the fact that, that that's a very clever directing choice, because if you make the killer invisible, you now have a screen movie where even though nothing may be happening on the scene, you don't know where he is. They don't know exactly. where he is. So there's that constant gut wrenching, thrilling fear. And it's a great choice to make him invisible. Three red dots on the arm of Bill Duke. I remember this from a video game. Mm. So one of the greatest computer video games I ever played was Aliens vs. Predator. This came out, I think, in the, gosh, it was the late 90s, if not 2000. And it's a game where you're dealing with these aliens, this alien colony at this planet. But as soon as you go outside, you see three red dots on the wall. And a predator's up on one of the ridges, and he shoots at you with his fucking plasma cannon. So I distinctly remember the three rocks. Also, after Mac gets his head fucking blasted off, Mac's doing what's called the feet thing, so eloquently inquired about by Nicolas Cage in The Rock. He's doing it. What's he doing? He's like, oh, you mean the feet thing? Yeah, the feet thing. Can you make it stop? And then Sean Connery's <laughs> like, like what? Kill him again? <laughs> I think Dylan gets the worst death. Yeah, I, I think it's the most painful. And you, you got to think, has the Predator made the connection of what a dickwad he was up until that point? <laughs> or... Was it just because the Predator was just at this point, he's like, they're almost all gone. Is he getting overly excited, right? Is the In some of the later Predator movies, you find out that these solo Predators would come to these planets to train. It was their rite of passage. Right. So was it this young Predator who's like, I, I got this guy. I'm going to do something cool, right? Which is pretty damn cool. But yeah, it's a very painful, painful death. I have a theory. I think this is why he's killed the way that he is. It's the first time that these two guys 
are hunting him so specifically. They're like, hey, we see him. We're going to flush him out. Well, the Predator, and it's funny because you actually think, man, they might have a chance. I have a chance. They might pull this off. But then, guess what? The fucking guy, he's smarter than Bill Duke. He blasts him away. He didn't stand a chance. He, he, I don't even think he made it like 50 feet and he was killed. He was like, and he was standing right above him. And the fact that Mac doesn't see that, you're just like, shit. Like you look up and he's right there. And you're like, I'm not escaping this. It's over. Once he realized what they were plotting, that they were really just going to try to assassinate him, not only does he blow off Carl Weathers' arm, Carl Weathers is still a threat because he still has another gun, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to finish you off with these fucking wrist gauntlets. And he does. The actual name for Predator that would go on to take on its own meaning in the whole Predator franchise, but it's a Yatcha. It's Y-A-U-T-J-A. So a Yatcha. That's what they call them in all the books. And I think they start referring to them that in, in some of the later films, but that's the technical name for Predator is a Yatcha. So similar to like a Japanese warrior or samurai, they have their own code system. And I was learning about that. So for example, Depending on how tough the enemy is that you kill, you get like more marks. And then depending on how many marks you have, then you can become like a Yatsta chief and things like that. They have their own hierarchy. If you kill an alien, like one xenomorph, xenomorph is the technical term for the alien, and then you have Yatsta for predator. But if you kill one xenomorph, that's worth quite a bit in their system, as opposed to killing Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because they recognize, to your point, that the xenomorphs are a very, very sinister, deadly foe. Yes. Billy's scream is fucking shocking and stuck in mm. my memory longer than the custom-made blade for one second stick around scene. It was nuts. And so I remember that. And yeah, so the, the machete that Arnold Schwarzenegger throws at the guy stick around, they custom-made that blade just for that one scene. And I think the reason that Arnold ended up throwing it to work it into the script was he was just tired of carrying it around because I think it was heavy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, oh, and by the way, so when Dutch gets hit by the plasma cannon, the reason he doesn't lose his arm is because it hit mostly the gun. So the mm -hmm. gun saved his, his life, but not in a way that you might think. So there's lucky moment number one. There you go. Okay, lucky number, <laughs> number one, he was holding the gun in that arm. So he's a righty, I guess. The two most shocking moments in the film, it's when they first see the Predator and when Arnold realizes that the Predator can't see him. I thought yes. those were two shocking moments where you're like, okay, I'm starting to kind of figure this out. To me, one of the scariest moments in the movie, oddly, is when Arnold is like kind of collapsed on the beach and then you hear that big ass splash and you see the splash behind him. That took the fucking wind out of my lungs. Lucky moments two and three, him falling into that little ass river from that height of the waterfall and not crushing into the bottom of the bank. And then lucky moment three is he was just crawling through the mud. He didn't strategically put it on himself, right? Right. Like he would have been dead if that mud hadn't have done what it did. And that was yes. purely by accident. So within yes. five minutes in the movie, Arnold could have died three times. That's brilliant. For the longest time, I wondered, but you know, Predator is kind of preparing and he's cleaning his trophies and he's polishing his bleach skulls and everything. He starts shining the three dotted light on his wrist gauntlets or his wrist blades. And my theory is I think he's doing it to kind of purify them for mm -hmm. the next hunt. So I think it's just something that he does probably ritualistically. I'm going to come at whatever with my best weaponry. I think that's what he's doing. I make some, I know a little bit of samurai history and they would between battles have this whole ritual they would do with their swords where it had to be cleansed, purified, and re-blessed um, before it was allowed to be used in an honorable fight or battle. And so I think in my head, if we if we think of the Yachka, that is more than likely a part of their their history, their culture as well. Made this kill. And yeah, it's the first time we saw it in the movie. He probably did it every single time he had to use it. That's great because what that tells me is the predator culture <laughs> It's been cobbled together as they've taken on new enemies mm -hmm. and they've taken on worthy foes. So at some point they were in feudal Japan, probably, 
and they dealt with probably a sin. And they show that one of my favorite scenes in Predators is when he fights the fucking Yakuza. Yes. And the Yakuza takes it to him with a sword, old school, and they kill each other. It's beautiful. So good. I like how Dutch throws his staff to triangulate the Predator's vantage. He has to throw two things. He throws mm-hmm. a rock to get the one location. He throws a staff to get the second. And then he can lock onto him with his little bomb spear. It was cool. So good. I think the film is a perfect blend of both primitive and sophisticated technology. The movie starts off and you've got guys in helicopters. They've got top-notch weaponry. they got a minigun. They can't defeat the Predator like that. That's not the way to go. Fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dutch, Schaefer had to go John Rambo on his ass. He had to use the weapons off the land. He had to use creativity and he had to trick the Predator. He wasn't going to fight. No matter how explosive and high technology the weapons, that's not the way to get the Predator. You have to get primitive. He had to wear the Predator down nearly to his own level, blow for blow, outside of pure strength, right? Like, he had to get rid of all the technology. The Predator had to recognize Dutch as an equal, hence the, like, unmasking scene and the come-at-me-bro stance, right? So that's when the fight became as equal as it could be. Some critics, which I don't mind film critics, but I don't like it when they're unnecessarily critical. Well, the Predator just took off his mask because Stan Winston had spent, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this technology in the face, and I'm like, no. We want to see what the Predator looks like, one. And two, you're exactly right. He's going to face this dude, mano a mano. Before he takes off the mask, he takes off the fucking shoulder blaster. He's like, I'm going to fight you with my fucking claws, bitch. When you get the boom, the sonic boom blast from the self-destructive fuck you device, I have not seen Arnold run that fast other than in Jingle All the Uncle fucking way (laughs) when he's trying to secure that toy. That's probably the same amount of adrenaline, survival or grabbing a toy. I know. They're both in high demand. (laughs) The ending to me is absolutely perfect because with most Arnold movies, you're expecting it to be some type of like grandstanding or whatever, or victory lap. There's no victory lap here. There's no cigar. I love that Dutch is speechless. He's shocked and he's exhausted. He's just slumped in that fucking chopper, looking up at the sky and looking out the window. He does not know what the fuck just happened. It's going to take him a long time to process this because you got to figure on his face covered still in dirty, nasty shit mud. You got to figure... He thought he was going to be in there in 24 hours and out in 24 hours. He lost his entire team, got his ass kicked, which has probably never happened to him in his life. And he just witnessed alien technology. So there's a lot that he's going to have to work through with a therapist. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. Just complete. I I don't even think he's decompressing on that, on that chopper ride yet. I think he's just like, how the hell did I live? And so I crafted a new term for this film. Instead of PTSD, Arnold Schwarzenegger is suffering ETSD. What happens when you're, on a, when you're on a normal military mission and you encounter a fucking warlike alien from another land? That is okay. ETSD, okay. And instead Approved. Of, instead of phoning home, you just go home alone. That's all you do. Now, <laughs> dude, I love the outro compilation. And what's funny about the outro compilation of all their faces is every single character, Anna, Dylan, all of them smile, except Dutch. His picture is not him smiling. And I took that to mean that he's the leader. He doesn't have time to be, you know, funny. He's got a job to do. So that's kind of, but it it could have just been, that's the best sexiest picture they found of Arnold short of when he's holding his fucking arm up and then he makes a, he goes from a fist to the the open hand. I don't know. Yeah, I'm good. Now we're going to do best performance. So this is, this is an interesting one. So I had his two contenders. I had his, the jungle itself and I had Dutch as his expressive eyes throughout when he slumps in despondency after witnessing the execution of the hostage. Very good acting. Yes. When he's looking at Anna as she gives her campfire reveal, which was my number one quote, he's just staring. Like he's like, okay, I'm processing what you're telling me. And when he's on the tree and he knows the predator is behind his Austrian oak ass, all great acting. But to me, 
the quintessential best performance of this flick, the most memorable performance, is The Predator. Now, Kevin Peter Hall, who played The Predator, is about a seven foot two gentleman who also has a cameo as the pilot at the end. But he would go on to be the Predator in Predator 2. But he would go on to die of AIDS, sadly. And it was actually from a transfusion of blood. Fusion, and he got AIDS. Sucks, man. Sucks so bad. But dude, the Predator, the invisibility cloak, the wrist gauntlets, the self-surgery medical kit, the plasma cannon, not to mention his wicked fucking face mask and the fuck you suicide homicide device. Stan Winston really created an amazing creature here. Dude, if that creature, though, if it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger, or if it was the Jean-Claude Van Damme approach that they were going to do originally, if the creature looked the way that you look like a praying mantis retarded creature before, yeah. if the creature did not win or if it was not successful, the film would crumble and buckle like how Carl Weathers buckled during that manshake handshake. I'm telling you. Didn't that happen? The redesign happened because of like some poignant thing that like James Cameron said or something. I don't know. I forget. I can't, I, they did. I can't remember. I agree with you. So it's funny you mentioned because I actually thought of this yesterday as I was making connections to Dutch's Dutch within this movie as a leader. The fact that he had no idea who he was quote unquote rescuing until he found out it wasn't really a rescue mission. But like he sees the last person get shot in the head. Again, he, he does this so well with his eyes. He turns, he slumps, he's despondent. He fraction of a moment. You saw this tough, badass guy go, fuck, we failed. Okay, move on. Let's go. And, and he does those facial expressions, the eyes. He was doing the eyebrow shit before Dwayne Johnson. So fuck off, Dwayne. I, I love you, but fuck off. He was doing the, the eye acting way before anybody else could. Uh, and maybe that derived from him coming over and, and not knowing a lot of English. So he had to be much learn to be much more expressive in his acting. But you take that away and you move to Kevin Hall as the Predator and the body language and those short few short scenes or the reveals or how he moved or whatever with no dialogue, not being able to see any facial expression. You're fucking terrified. Yep. He, he plays that so well. So best performer goes to Kevin Hall. And I believe it's, it's hard to believe, but I guess as far as how much screen time the Predator actually gets is eight minutes. I saw that somewhere. Crazy. So yeah, I know, crazy. I know. Now I will tell you for those of you that enjoy video games, I can tell you that if you're a Predator fan and you like video games, you have to play a game called Tom Clancy's Wildlands. Yes. And how, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. This is one thing I'll keep to myself, but the way that they incorporate the Predator story into Wildlands so seamlessly and organically into the game script, you will not be disappointed. I loved no. it. I couldn't take my eyes off the yeah. screen. The music, the shaman and the women of the village telling you, we found skin bodies what you end up having to do, but you have to deal with the fucking predator and the way that they show him and the way that his combat style, it's straight up. It's everything you would ever want in a so video bad. game. It's, it's so rough. Like I told you, I was with Croza's, the medic. We beat it. And it took like six months, right? It took forever. <laughs> um, I actually had died. I was, you know, bleeding out and she was the last one standing when all of a sudden she goes, it was just like the movie. She goes, I don't see him anywhere. Did you actually kill it or did it like fail the mission or like you think the game glitched? And all of a sudden you start hearing the beeping of the countdown and I knew what it was. She had no idea. And I was like, Croses, run. And she's like, why? Which direction? I'm like, pick a direction and fucking haul ass. And so she did. And because she got out of the blast zone and because of that, our team, because one person won, we won. And it was like, fuck, like it was like so stressful. So even in the game, he throws the fuck you bomb at you. Dude, the, the fuck you bomb incorporation to me is brilliant. <sighs> like that's the yeah. one last, and it's so true to form. That's exactly what yeah. you would expect. I will just tell you a couple quick things. So Roger Ebert, he gave it three out of four stars. This is just one snippet of his review. 
Though finding the creature's motivation poorly explained, which I disagree with, I thought his, his, the motivations of the creature were very well explained throughout the movie. But Roger Ebert was more complimentary of the film. He wrote, Predator moves at a breakneck pace. It has strong and simple characterizations. It has good location, photography, and terrific special effects. And it supplies what it claims to supply, an effective action movie. The line, get to the chopper, was subsequently associated with Arnold Schwarzenegger, especially when Arnold Schwarzenegger said the line again in some of his later appearances on the new Celebrity Apprentice and uh, advertisements for the mobile video game Mobile Strike. Now, Predator, at its time, did not get very good reviews, but it would go on to be one of the best movies. It, it was on a bunch of guest best lists. MTV Movies and Film.com ranked it as the seventh best film of 1987, calling it one of the greatest science fiction horror films often imitated but never properly duplicated, not even by its own sequel. These are some funny little expressions from some of the lines in the movie. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Well, then this critic said, pretty ballsy considering you don't even know what you're up against. <laughs> and then the next one, I ain't got time to bleed by Blaine. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't really think you had a choice in the matter. <laughs> and then the best one, Billy, but I wouldn't wish that on a broke dick dog. No. Coming up with unique metaphors is the trademark of any good trailblazer, such as Billy. Okay, I'll say this one too, because we've talked about it. Bunch of slack-jawed faggots around here. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me, Blaine. Holy crap, for being a bunch of friends who have worked together for a long time on many missions, you think a little bit more respect would be shown by Blaine. You don't continually harass your teammates, your comrades, your brothers, unless, of course, you're full of some serious attitude, and the continual harassment is your method of relieving stress. That was all by Scott on why Predator is the best, most manly action. Predator's most enduring mimetic element is the movie's hearty, meaty symbol of friendship masquerading as testosterone-fueled competition. At exactly 4 minutes and 59 seconds from when he pressed play, Schwarzenegger and co-stars Carl Weathers lock arms in the manliest handshake cinema has ever seen. No wonder it's now called the Epic Handshake. And then, of course, the guy who played Hawkins, he would go on to say, this was um, Shane Black, it went for a cool tweak on the norm, Black says. It's really, to my thinking, the only movie Arnold's done where you see him scared, he tells USA Today. He's actually frightened in the movie. Dude, this, this was a very fun time. Oh, yeah. This delightfully distracting pursuit of slick escapism was a lean, mean, lushly green illustration of an otherworldly wrist blade weapon that cuts like a chainsaw and this dense thicket neither dudes nor dames wear a bra when faced with a foe of this caliber you're permitted to your troops withdraw unless this odd voice mimicking creature you can outdraw or maybe his wrist gauntlet you'll declaw villains the traitor sticking in blaine's craw though masculine the men all stand in awe at this hunter's devilishly stealthy camouflage trick so very fucking slick throughout this lean, engrossing flick. Arnold coated in a mud so cold, it just might stick. Only Dutch and Anna survive stark horrors, rich in and ripe with vines and tripwires and jungle corners. Valverde is a place Falsetto will not go, and against the Predator, Wham Bam Cam would be a spineless goddamn spam jam. I remain always your fellow fiend for films, your worthwhile cinephile, and you are my cinematic fanatics. Keep that popcorn fresh, or at least F-Stars edible. For my next Slick F-Stars pick, pick five, Slick Flick Pick. A frighteningly unfair fair. Collateral, 2004. Do you have any last minute thoughts? Get to the chopper. What if I want to take the bus? Then you're dead. Shite. Oh, and don't take a subway, because you saw what happened in Predator 2. Uh-huh. You tried to travel by subway car. Yeah, you're fucked. Falsetto and... Wham Bam Cam. Out.